0: Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert.
1: I'm Allison Gilbert.
0: This week we watched America's Sweethearts, which stars Catherine Zeta-Jones, Billy Crystal, John Cusack, Julia Roberts, Stanley Tucci, and
1: it came out in... 2001. It was written by Billy Crystal and Peter Tolan and directed by Joe Roth and holds a whopping... Did you look it up? Can you guess what do you think the Rotten Tomato score is? I want to make like, you guess. What? Like sixty
0: five. It's something high. Girl,
1: lower. No. Oh, okay. Thirty. Thirty two. It holds a thirty two percent on Rotten. That's tomatoes. generous. That's generous. This movie. Hey, this movie is deeply, deeply problematic. And I laughed out loud several times. We saw this in theaters with mom and dad. I laughed.
0: I don't think I laughed out loud. I think I was so distracted. I did not expect this movie to hold up as poorly as it did.
1: Oh, it holds up so poorly.
0: (laughs) I had remembered the Julia Roberts being fat. Oh my I mean, God, the
1: fat suit they put her in makes her my size. She's she's a small fat at best. I don't even think she's a small fat. I think she's just a, not like a famous Not actress, Hollywood. You know? Yeah, yes. right.
0: Like, um, let's
1: not even, size doesn't matter, be whatever size you want, live your life. I'd like, who gives a shit? But to describe like, to put an actress in a fat suit and then describe her as fat when she the fake fat suit Julia Roberts probably weighs like 150 pounds. <laughs> like, it's just... This movie but is so Allison, silly. That
0: storyline, like, I had remembered that storyline. It pales in comparison to some of the other shit that went on in this movie. Carrie, what is this movie about? We've jumped oh right God.
1: into the Problems. Yes.
0: Okay, so this movie is about... This movie is about John Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones are a former Hollywood it couple
1: who've made a bunch of movies together.
0: Who've made a bunch of movies together. They are like the go-to for your romantic adventure type movies.
1: And there's a there's a reference to uh, Greg and Peg Autumn with Greg and Peg, which feels like a When Harry Met Sally reference. Yes, yes,
0: like. They are the Hollywood couple. They are married. Catherine Zeta-Jones falls in love with somebody else. They break up. They have one last movie that's coming out that they filmed prior to the dissolution of their marriage. And both of their careers have taken a hit, Catherine Zeta-Jones, because in, you know, true to misogyny, no one can imagine her without the man she's always been with, and she's so, a maligned woman in this. We will get there.
1: In the if this was real life, there would be a you're wrong about episode about her.
0: Character. I could write boring. a fifteen hundred word think piece on the way that Catherine Zeta Jones is supposed to be the villain when in fact she's not. But we will get there. Hold on, I'm not done telling you what this movie is about. Okay. <laughs> So both their careers have taken a hit because nobody can imagine Catherine Zeta-Jones without the man she's always been paired with. And John Cusack has had, quote unquote, a mental breakdown, but using mental health to mask domestic violence is a real choice. But we'll also get there.
1: Also, just jokes about mental health. He's not taking any drugs, despite claiming to be diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. He's got it with herbs. It's cool. Uh, 2001 was peak. Uh, Mental health isn't real. You don't need drugs. (laughs) We are, like, right in Tom Cruise jumping on a couch land. Yes, yes. There's an aspect of which this
0: is a little, this feels Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman-esque in that way. Um, That when they broke up, you know, he got a whole new personality. And a lot of people thought Nicole Kidman couldn't thrive without Tom. Boy, were they wrong. But that's what they were saying at the time. Anyway. So her coats
1: and the undoing beg to differ.
0: Both of their careers have taken a hit. So they get convinced by the like, studio's
1: publicist. Philly Philly Crystal. Publicist studio
0: who's played by Pilly Crystal to do one last press junket.
1: Who's been fired but then rehired, but we'd never know why he's fired. I think it's
0: just they want a younger model, but we're so right. hiring we
1: Seth Green, who sucks. I get that
0: story. But anyway. Julia Roberts plays Catherine zeta joness sister and assistant who is, as we have mentioned, formally, we'll say fat because that's what the movie says. We would both beg to differ. It's really
1: unimportant. It's unimportant, but I also forgot how... Not that, like, I'm not saying this movie, it would have been better if they'd made her an actual plus-size woman because putting a thin actress in a fat suit is just rife with shit. And, like, just the joke of, look at this formerly fat woman. And also all this, like, she looks so great now because she's lost 60 pounds. But the, f- the fat suit they have her in is laughably small. Laughably. Yeah. Also, just, like, p- playing Julia Roberts, fat or thin, as sort of, like, a meekish assistant right. is, like, what are you trying to get me to believe? It's Julia fucking Roberts. Like, yes. fat suit or not, she's a beautiful actress. Right. Who looks nothing like Catherine Ceta-Jones.
0: The love story here is between Cus- John Cusack and Julia Roberts.
1: Also very strange since they are former brother and sister-in-law.
0: Correct. Correct. We also get some pretty stellar Stanley Tucci work as the head of the studio. Absolutely.
1: Probably- absolutely a man who was Me would come 2017. Like if this were real life, he was oh. Me too in 2017.
0: The studio head. I thought you meant Stanley Tucci, and I was like, no. "Wait,
1: what?" Oh, no, no, no. Because I'm I, saying the character he's playing, right? His name is David Kingman. Right. That man. If if this is the same reality we currently live in, that man was taken down in 2017.
0: Okay, so that's what the movie is about. Most of the movie takes place at this press junket. There's some very funny stuff about the relationship between Hollywood and the press. There is a it's very level very inside baseball. So, yes, there, there's a level of camp to this movie that I can appreciate. It's farcical. Yes, I I appreciate the my favorite duo in this whole movie is Stanley Tucci and Billy Crystal. They probably are the duo that plays the best off of each other. I think the performances are all very good. It's just. The, the actors are doing the best they can here. They really are just doing the best they possibly can. And I mean, and granted, like these are all really stellar
1: actors. Like there's not a week one among them. Here's what I think it is, because I don't think I think the acting is all very good. I think the script and the direction is very good. I think we are in 2001 and we are watching this movie in 20, we were watching this movie 20 years later and almost nothing holds up. Like more than maybe any other movie we've watched before, there is very little. It's dealing with a lot of things that we as a society have reckoned with in the last 20 years. And so to watch it now, post that reckoning or amidst that reckoning, I don't think we've seen a movie deal with as many things that needed dealing with in 2001 so it's not even that the script is bad I think the script is good it's not that the direction is bad I think the direction is good it's that it's 20 years later and the world has changed and it's just rife with shit yeah so
0: let's start as we peel back the in here let's start with the John Cusack Catherine Zeta-Jones relationship so what the movie tells us is that Catherine Zeta-Jones fell in love with another man. Oh, played by Hank Azaria. We forgot to mention Hank Azaria.
1: And another in role that made me Google his ethnicity to see if it was problematic. Which I think like this role is a little closer to his actual ethnicity, maybe. Yes, he's playing a Spaniard. So, and I do think he's like a Spanish Jew heritage wise. And also Spaniards are European. So fine. Like, right? We're a little like it's not quite Birdcage. He's playing a, a Guatemalan man, you know. Like it's not quite right. We're like we're in like Ilaria Baldwin territory. You're in Ilaria Baldwin territory. I say the right. Hank Azaria character is not quite as problematic. However, Birdcage holds up worlds better than this movie, despite the Hank Azaria aspect. Babe. Truly. Okay,
0: so what we're told about the Catherine Zeta-Jones, John Cusack marriage is that she fell in love with another man. She leaves him. He, in a fit of heartbreak, loses his mind, has a mental breakdown, and has retreated to... What we're told initially is that he's had this heartache the way we're introduced to Catherine Zeta-Jones is she's on Larry King Live and all the callers are saying, we don't like you. We don't like you in movies alone. We can't possibly imagine you without Eddie, which is John Cusack's character. Um, You aren't anything w- without your husband, like all of this stuff come to find out that oh and so he has this mental breakdown he ends up in some like you know bougie retreat that appropriates indian culture
1: alan arkin is either playing an indian man or playing a man appropriating an indian man with the worst indian accent you've ever heard
0: and it's unclear which it is which kind of offensive it is we don't know but it's one of them (laughs) if it's satire like that's not clear um so he's at some like bougie retreat. Okay, come to find out she left him for this other man and had an affair, we find out later. And he tries to kill her by driving his motorcycle through the window of the restaurant where she and Hingazaria are having dinner. And this is all played for laughs, all of this. It is all played for laughs. And everyone keeps saying, I can't understand, including her sister, who's her assistant, keeps saying to her, I can't understand why you can't forgive him. I can't understand you're not giving him enough benefit of the doubt. I can't, he's Eddie. He's the man who, you know, always does X, Y, and Z for you and loves you so much. And blah, blah, blah. I can't understand why you can't get past this. And you cheated on him. So, like, you have some blame here because, you know, you committed infidelity, whereas he committed attempted murder. And before we ever get to that, at the end of it, we, in the twist, oh, the other thing going on here is that the director won't deliver the movie to the studio, so they don't actually know what the movie is. Christopher Walken. We- There's Mr. so many
1: famous people in this movie. right?
0: <laughs> and come to find out, he has, like, secretly filmed all his actors, and so he's got all this dirt or whatever. And one of it is that she's had this an affair she's had this affair but then we also get this scene when he doesn't know the cameras are on where he puts her up basically like backs her into a corner and like puts her up against a wall and is like don't make a fool of me don't I don't like how you're acting with him like don't blah
1: blah blah so super threatening super controlling this is our leading man (laughs) You said you wanted John Cusack with an edge. I don't understand what you're complaining about. Not two weeks ago. You were like, John Cusack is too cute. In serendipity, I want him a little edgier. You're welcome. (laughs) You got a fully abusive man. And the craziest part is that at the, okay.
0: So at the end, when it's been revealed that he's got all this footage, she has been revealed to have had an affair and is threatening to sue for defamation. John Cusack has been revealed. In our 2021 view, revealed to be an abuser. And he thinks it's the greatest work he's ever been a part of. Which, if the movie were doing this intentionally, would be brilliant. But I'm not sure that it is because if it were intentional, it could be a commentary on the ways in which Hollywood and, as an extension, society unfairly maligns women for, you know, legal if unethical acts like cheating on your abusive husband but we don't levy consequences on men in Hollywood for things like abusive behavior do I think that that's what the movie is saying no but in 2021 it's an interesting ending But meanwhile, I've spent the whole movie being told how dreamy John Cusack is and that I should want Julia Roberts to end up with him when he tried to kill his wife. And it's clear that he they had a toxic and potentially abusive relationship leading up to the point where he tried to kill her
1: because she's demanding and needy and a and a sort of stereotypical diva. So she deserves it all.
0: Right. We, we, she is the villain or we're told by the movie that she is the villain because she's whiny and diva ish.
1: And she and only likes her, only likes her water, the water with the electrolytes.
0: Yeah. She's a fucking Hollywood actress. We already knew all that shit about her. It doesn't mean, and I think like, it's just like, you know,
1: it's the way in 2001, we looked at demanding women and called them evil and looked at, uh, abusive men and called them troubled abusive men get our sympathy for their troubles and demanding women get our it's just like honestly it's you could remake this movie now and have a real commentary looking at it as like a flash in time of 2001 it's just such a such a clear like this is the way we looked at men and women in 2001 and it's it is (sighs) It
0: is tough. I, I, I like, I did not, I was so distracted by the choices (laughs) that I couldn't get to the fun. I will say, I mean, there are some funny moments. This movie is perfectly cast. Every single person with maybe the exception of Julia Roberts as the like mousy younger sister just
1: don't want to be mousy, just like, right. there's but a way every, around it. But
0: everybody else is like perfectly cast in their role. You know, everyone is doing the thing I like to see f- the most from them. Like I did say when we watched Sarah Dippy that I wanted a John Cusack with an edge. This this is the John Cusack I, I grant, if you set aside the domestic violence, I love a messy, neurotic, butch album but charming
1: John Cusack. I charming. That's how this movie, love, that is how this movie has gotten away with it for so long is John Cusack in 2001 was fucking charming as shit. Right. I
0: love when we're just leaning into the fact that Catherine Zeta-Jones is one of the most beautiful and glamorous women that's ever walked this earth. I love that. I, you know, I, anytime you put Billy Crystal and Stanley Tucci in a movie, I'm going to give a movie some passes. Billy Crystal is, the funniest
1: man alive look i i i billy crystal is maybe my number one i cannot see past this but and i think he and i like to think that billy crystal is progressive enough that he would watch this movie now and think wow i i made a lot of choices i wouldn't make anymore um because people are allowed to grow and change (laughs) he's very funny
0: and the, the thing is like the movie just keeps doubling down on like gaslighting Catherine zeta jones's character like so when they get to this press junket they're like out in the middle of the desert i think they're in palm springs or something and so they're all like at this resort like locked up in this resort and he goes over to her cottage to essentially spy on her and then gets cactuses, cactus needles in his crotch and is trying to get them out and it looks like on camera like he's masturbating outside of the place where she is staying and she like is really upset by this rightfully so because it's the man who tried to kill her and now he's been found outside her cottage masturbating and everybody actually like, but right but that's the perception that is how it appears. And everybody around her is just like, it's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Don't, there's nothing to fear.
1: Are you Everyone does me? it. Right. Everyone masturbates, which, like, yeah, right. but most people do it in the privacy of their own home. Or, I mean, if they're not in their own home privately, not publicly to their ex wife. Right. The two security guards who find this on tape are like a staple of, early 2000s television the guy who assaulted zoe bartlett and or who, sorry who harassed zoe bartlett in an early episode of the west wing and was awesome and crutchy from newsies i was like who is that second who is that second security guard he looks so familiar to me but i can't place him i couldn't place him because he was a goddamn grown-up but he played crutchy crutchy what's the limp say uh i don't need the limp to sell papes i got poisonality
0: Um, The only person that has any sense in this movie is the reporter played by Dwight Schrute. His name is
1: Rain Wilson.
0: (laughs) Rain Wilson, who plays a reporter. Sure, Dwight Schrute. Who asks Eddie, John Cusack, he says something like, how can you ever expect audiences to want to watch you again when you tried to kill your wife? The only one in this who's had any
1: sense. So there's some level of it. There's another moment. That, I, that is played for laughs. And I think if this movie nowadays would do this scene differently, but at the time, I think it's just domestic violence for laughs. There's a scene where he, where John Cusack imagines shooting Catherine Zeta-Jones. And I the when, I, when that scene came and I remembered what was coming, I was like, oh fuck, we're once again going to make domestic violence a joke. But then I was like, I have intrusive thoughts. And so I'm not going to judge another character who has intrusive thoughts. But I don't know that in 2001 or in this movie we're really exploring the complex nature of an intrusive thought which is when you imagine harming yourself or someone else correct you get like flashes of you know doing something horrible to yourself or others which is something that I deal with and so I was like oh this character is just having an intrusive thought and I can empathize with that however I don't know that this movie is knows that it's doing that (laughs)
0: Well, also, if this movie had managed to handle mental health well at all, I maybe would have greater compassion for that moment. But...
1: And if he hadn't actually tried to kill her. If it was just intrusive thoughts that he never acted on.
0: Right. Also, this movie plays... I mean, because, like, there... There is a world in which, like, somebody who commits violence against partners also has deep-seated mental health issues like that is not uncommon but this movie so this movie is acknowledging that but then not actually like making this character reckon with any of that because he's in this sort of like appropriative like eastern healing place or whatever and he's got teas and roots and and herbs and whatever else
1: yeah he's not on any actual they make some joke about uh uh they make some joke about some drug he's not taking and but also because he never any any there's a joke that i apologize that i chuckled at but he's complaining that Catherine Zeta-Jones gets this cottage at the back of the property and he has to be in a suite, God forbid. And Billy Crystal says, well, she has an entourage. Do you have an entourage? And he says, I'm a paranoid schizophrenic. I am my own entourage, which is like a pretty funny schizophrenia joke. But also like this movie does not have an appropriate enough relationship or understanding of mental illness to be making that joke. Like if an actual schizophrenic said that, you'd be like, that was pretty funny way to like, way to like own it. And but, but also he then immediately is like, I'm taking a bunch of roots and herbs. And it's like, you no, know, if you're a paranoid schizophrenic, you need to be on antipsychotics.
0: <laughs> it almost That's- feels like the, the perspective of this movie is like mental health diagnoses aren't real.
1: Yeah, because we're in peak, peak that, I think. And also that like, you're right, he never reckons with it and instead just falls in love with another woman who then fixes him, who was not worthy or noticed by him when she was bigger. But now that she's thin- he can notice and fall in love with her and that heals him. Oh, okay. Like, no, right. he's still a deeply troubled man and Gwen is maligned. And in 2021, as we look back on how we treated Brittany and Jessica Simpson and Mariah Carey and many, many, many other women, Gwen would Gwen Harrison would be one of those women we looked back on and thought, oh God, we treated her terribly. Yeah.
0: I mean, and she's not without her flaws, but she's not deserving of any of the attempted murder or the gaslighting that she receives in this movie. You know, like, I'm not arguing that any of us should, like, be best friends with the Gwen Harrison character. But she has some valid points when she says, like, I'm not going to go hang out at a press junket with my ex-husband who tried to kill me and against whom I have a restraining order.
1: The other thing I thought about was, like, Eddie's character is angry and mentally ill, but charming in a way that we don't allow. He has this anger in him that is making his character edgy in a Mm -hmm. way that we don't allow women to have anger. Mm -hmm. Like anger is an emotion only men get to have when women have it. We are hysterical unhinged. You know, it's an immediate uh, dismissal of a woman who exhibits anger, whereas men, it makes them stronger and powerful and edgier. If you gender swapped this movie the if you gender swapped the roles in this movie, if you just took the script of this movie and had John Cusack play Gwen and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones play Eddie, th- who we empathized with, it would still be John Cusack and and Catherine Zeta-Jones would still be the villain because women aren't allowed anger and men are. Like, I I think this movie has some sexism in it built into its core that is not reckoned with in a way that I would hope as a Billy Crystal stan in a way that I would hope would be today. And he actually gave a very interesting interview recently that we can link that was horribly misquoted. Like, or like horribly blurbed. Like, the blurbs were all like, Billy Crystal says comedy is a minefield now, when the actual quote was like, comedy is a minefield because things change all the time, and that's okay. Like, he was basically commenting on the fact that, like, comedy and what we can and cannot speak on and who is qualified to speak on things has changed and evolves, and that's okay. That's how it should be. But it was like put out into the world as like, cancel Billy Crystal because he says you can't say anything anymore. Like, that's not what he said. (laughs) And that's part of the reason why I'm like, Billy Crystal, I think you know, should he listen to our podcast may very well agree with us. I would hope. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think your point about like what emotion are women allowed to feel is interesting because the times that we get emotion from our two female characters are Catherine Zeta-Jones being a quote unquote diva when she's insisting that maybe she doesn't want to be around this man who has tried to kill her and otherwise like, controlled her life and been aggressive toward her and Julia Roberts in her big emotional scene she is seen to be emotionally eating and binging and so like again John Cusack our leading man who we're supposed to be reading for gets to display all of this emotion and have all this empathy from the movie's perspective have all this empathy throughout the two women get you know, either is the villain or we only allow women emotion when they are self-harming, quote unquote, which that in of itself is problematic because she's eating carbs and that's what we're seeing as self-harming. But like she isn't, I mean, if she were truly well, she's like- binging
1: carbs binging, she yes. hasn't allowed herself carbs because she's on a very restrictive diet because carbs made her fat, God forbid. And those of us who have spent the last two years of their life unpacking their own shit know that you binge food when you restrict it because your body enters a starvation mode because your body fucking needs carbs and fat. So if you don't allow yourself to eat it, when you do eat it, you will binge on it because your body's trying to survive. If we were looking at this movie from an intuitive eating standpoint, she would be like, I eat bread when I want it and I don't when I don't and I'm allowed it whenever I do or do not want it. But because this character is is engaging in some disordered eating practices, we see her absolutely binge on butter and carbs because she's cut fat and carbs out of her diet. But again, this movie doesn't have the context of like, oh, let's talk about why what she's doing is unhealthy and maybe we should just let her eat fucking bread and be whatever weight her body is naturally supposed to be. But I, yes, all of that. But it's interesting that like,
0: the way the emotion that women express that is deemed okay by this movie because so gwen's outward external expressions of anger and frustration and fear and sadness are maligned by the movie she is the villain kiki's internal like the binging the the inward focusing anger and self-loathing and all of that is okay because it's
1: you like make focus thing.
0: back on herself as opposed out, in the, out to the world and externally. And when women express their negative emotions externally
1: out to the world, that's when we malign them. And everybody, when they see Kiki comments on how good she looks, they might not comment on her weight necessarily, but they comment on how great she looks, which to be fair is a thing that happens when you lose weight because we as a society are fucked up, but everybody comments on how wonderful she looks now. And this movie doesn't have the context to be like, this movie is doing that. Not in a way to be like, Hey, isn't it wild that when people lose weight, we comment on how beautiful they look, despite knowing how they lost that weight. No, this movie is just saying like, you're more beautiful when you're thin, except John Cusack, who says the line also problematic. You never looked overweight. You always looked good to me. Well, Eddie, those two things aren't mutually fucking exclusive. You can be, first of all, we don't use the phrase overweight on this podcast, but you can be bigger and still look pretty fucking good. (laughs) List a million examples of hot, big women.
0: He also says to her, you've been getting healthy, equating, Mm -hmm. which granted, I know we were having different conversations about weight and health in 2001 than we are having in 2020, but this is a podcast where we discuss whether it holds up in 2021 and the equation Equating health to weight does not hold up in 2021. Yes,
1: you're right. We absolutely were not talking about this in 2001. And I do think there's a level of holding movies. You cannot hold a 2001 movie to a 2021 standard. But what you can do is talk about the ways in which we've changed. And one of the ways in which I don't know that we've made it there, I think, not to toot yours and I horn, but I think you and I. Uh, have done a lot of our own work in regards to um the anti-fat movement or the anti-fat bias movement rather um so i don't know that we're sort of there yet i think a, as someone who lost a lot of weight uh not in a healthy way i lost a lot of weight because i got uh sick i got a lot of comments on how great i looked so yeah. i don't and that was 2 years ago so i don't we're not there but but i do think we can look at this movie and say like okay in 2001 we still really thought that thin and health were synonyms when now we know that health and weight have no uh causational link and a and a very limited sort of questionable correlational link but yeah it's it's to watch this from the from a standpoint in 2001 with the body shit is
0: tough i also think like even in two thousand and one, we were having
1: conversations about domestic violence.
0: Yes, not the same ones that we're having now. No, no, I'm I saying think- I'm
1: saying that only from the uh, fat, like no, uh, no, fat I, suit standpoint. I'm not saying that for this movie as well. Yeah, able. no,
0: I'm with you on the fat suit stuff. But if we think about, you know, are we putting a 2021 lens on a 2001 movie? I think there are aspects of yes, but I think as far as the relationship between John Cusack and Catherine Zeta Jones, I think we're having different conversations now. I think our conversations around particularly the way that like famous women have been treated have changed and evolved. But we knew enough about domestic violence in 2001 that this movie was promoting some really fucked up views on relationships even then.
1: And I don't mean to say like, we can't judge a movie, a 2001 movie from a 2021 lens. Like that is literally what you and I, that's why we sit. (laughs) that's why we do this podcast. And if this movie if you watch if you watch this movie and said like i can't enjoy any part of it anymore because the problems are so deep then i absolutely respect like that is your choice i did this i you know that's how i felt about 16 candles that's how i felt about what women want like some movies you cannot separate 2021 from when they were made um and yes i think you're absolutely right i think there are aspects of this movie that you can say like yeesh i can't believe we did that then and then there are uh, but I'm glad we've learned more now. And then there are parts where you're like, no, they they should have known better, even then. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting to watch this movie. I feel like we're going through right now. We're going through like an especially we're going through a really interesting time of talking about women we maligned in the '90s and the early yeah. 2000s. Like we are. Britney Spears testified to a court this week. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. like, yeah. And so it's interesting to watch this movie this week and sort of look at the ways we were treating even fictional women right um who didn't sort of conform to our idea of what how a woman should just forgive a man for whatever he did to her you know what i mean like it just it just there's a lot about this movie that is 2001 yeah and another
0: scene where i was like I mean, in a far more minor way, well, kind of in a far more minor way, I was like, oof, is the only person of color in this movie is a waitress with no <laughs> lines who uh, Billy Crystal makes some joke to her.
1: I don't even really it's remember a fat, what it is. I do because it's fat phobic. Julia Roberts has left to go throw up because she's binged. So now she... And they, it's not implied that she's making herself throw up, but that she's eaten all this food that her body is not accustomed to. So now she's going to go now she has to go get sick. And he makes some joke that's like uh, asks her to box it up and says, like, you're going to need a, a truck or something, implying like how much food he's going to have to box up because Julia Roberts ate so much food. Right. And she doesn't laugh. And he says, no, laugh, no tip. So this black waitress with no lines doesn't laugh at his fat phobic joke. And so he, he, a movie studio PR man does not tip a woman working in a service industry. Correct. I, I noted the same thing. I was like, it's just a joke, but it's also like, this is so.
0: Yes. It's just a joke. And like, I understand like there, i there's like a little chuckle i mean part of it is like billy crystal's delivery is great but the like power imbalance inherent in that scene between those two characters and it's not helped by the fact that like that actress is not somebody i recognize and he's played by billy crystal so the power imbalance is evident literal by and- literal and like fictional figure fictional it just was like oh yeah we're coming out of and on top of it obviously this is not true in 2001 but we're coming out of a time hopefully coming out of you know knock on wood delta variant we're coming out of a time when like we put waiters and wait staff in an enormous amount of danger be- to continue it- to serve wealthy people <laughs> correct and 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 maybe or maybe did not tip them out for
1: it. Yeah, there's we joked at the beginning that this movie is inside baseball, which I have like a a small I've always remembered liking this movie. There is still there is still a lot about this movie I like, despite it having very deep problems. But I have a little bit of a like bump on movies about movies mm-hmm. because I think, and I say this as someone who works in TV and is very proud to work in TV, I think we find our lives much more interesting than they actually are. And I think the sort of fictional idea of what it's like to make movies, there's a romanticized idea of what it's like to make movies that is not real, but we movies about making movies, I'm always sort of like, it just always seems like a giant fucking Hollywood circle jerk of like, Mm -hmm. we're just going to talk about how cool it is that we get to make movies. And there's a power imbalance in the industry, there's power imbalance, you know, from industry people outside. And so that joke was sort of indicative, I think, of a larger problem this movie has where it's not recognizing its own level of money and power. Mm-hmm. And that's even indicative in like the um, Catherine Zeta Jones, Julia Roberts relationship, which is, you know, they're sisters who knows what Julia Roberts is being paid, but like the assistant to their they're like celebrity boss financial is so disparate and again like this is all very colored about colored by what's going on in my own life my union is in the midst of a very heated contract negotiation um where we're begging uh the studios to pay us assistance more um and if you're very lucky as i am your your bosses have your back and have and have uh made those and have made like my bosses went to the studio and talked to them about it. But I've also been in situations where I haven't had as lovely of bosses as I do right now. And that can also be very complicated. And this movie is made by people in the higher power situations. This movie doesn't have a recognition of like, what the assistants, what the waitresses, what the people in the lower level pay scales are going through to serve the wealthy people. And it's not like, that's not what the movie's about. So it doesn't need to, but if you're not gonna, address that at all then we don't need the scene where we don't tip a waitress because she didn't laugh at your offensive joke
0: well but also like if you're this movie is has an enormous cast like first of all it has an enormous cast of famous people but then like it has an enormous cast of like secondary characters and so if you're not gonna put you're not gonna make any of those people people of color
1: like not a single goddamn one and you are gonna have alan arkin doing an indian accent
0: right so uh, the only person you're gonna make a person of color cast as a person of color is the the waitress like come the fuck on yeah yeah I mean we
1: saw like reporter after reporter and I don't think there was a single I think there was one there was there was I think there's a bellhop and there's one reporter that are black men I'm not saying I'm not saying like so we did it (laughs) I'm just saying like there, there just, were there was... three tertiary characters, and they were all black people. Like, and then there's an entire And probably
0: collectively they said ten words.
1: Yes, the waitress said nothing. The you know I don't I don't remember the lines of the other two, but that's the point. Like we have Seth Green, and look, fucking, I get Seth Green and Tom Green mixed up. So I had to make sure I was done with the right one. We have Seth Green. I love a Seth Green. The ha- like any number of these characters could have been people of color you could have had alan arkin doing that without the indian accent or you i guess you could have had an indian character although i still think that would have been like we cast the only indian person as like a weird uh uh sort of like like,
0: pseudo science
1: psychiatrist yeah yes I, i you know that scene i think maybe needs a whole reworking when we make this movie for 2021 but you know what like you know what i mean there are so many roles in this movie I mean, even the three leads, like even Eddie, Gwen and uh, Kiki, like those didn't need to all be white people. Um, No, no part of me looks at Catherine Zeta-Jones and Julia Robert and says like, yes, those two women look alike. I believe they're sisters. Like those two women look nothing alike. So you could cast any sort of racial mix of people and it would be more believable than that Catherine Zeta-Jones and- Uh, Julia Roberts or sisters because they look nothing alike. Correct. Correct. Although I love them all. But this movie, like so many that we watched, did not need to be so overwhelmingly white. Yeah.
0: (sighs) The one scene I did still appreciate 20 years later was the morning after Kiki and Eddie have slept together. She,
1: yes. Did they sleep together? Because they're both fully clothed. I mean, yes, it's implied, but why are they both in, like, full pajamas. I don't know. I, I didn't pay attention to that because
0: it's, it's, it's a rom-com
1: because it's a chase rom-com. Um, but even in other rom-coms, they have the sheet up to here. I. She's not... Cl-
0: yes, she's, she's a wearing shirt. a tank
1: top and he's wearing a t-shirt. They do. There's Maybe no awareness of morning breath that I appreciate.
0: Yes. The, the one scene that holds up that I still appreciate is that she is acknowledging that they have morning breath, which is not a thing we typically get in romantic movies. We like to pretend like morning breath is not a thing, but this movie, in its one shining moment for me, was is the acknowledgement that morning breath, and it's and it's very funny and sweet. And she like
1: covers his mouth with the sheet because he tries to take his sheet down, and she's like, "No, your breath stinks." Like it's cute. Yeah, and then you remember that they're in laws. Yeah. The other scene I thought that still made me giggle, and I think it's because it's nostalgic for me, because you and I would do this to each other, was when Catherine Zeta-Jones is asking Julia Roberts to go talk to Eddie for her, and she's in bed, and she's like cuddling with her, and she goes, kiki, kikikins, kiki, and you and I used to, I think because of this movie, when we wanted something from the other one, would snuggle up close to them and go, kiki, we would call each other kikikins until we would get what we wanted. Yeah. So, like, I do, like, there's, they look nothing alike, but there's an aspect of, like, the cute little sister moments that you like until Julia Roberts starts dating her brother-in-law. I mean, you yes. have to be appreciative that Jeff and I are never, ever, no matter what happens with your marriage, going to date each other.
0: Well, sure, there's that. I also hope, I mean, first of all, I don't think Jeff would ever drive his drive motorcycle, a motorcycle through a restaurant. But then if he did, I would hope that you wouldn't tell me to get over it. Carrie, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the thing is, like, it, like it, it none of it makes sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Like what there's a what?
1: I think what it's aiming for, and I didn't finish the movie marriage story because I got bored and I didn't like it. But the most sort of resonant part of the two thirds of marriage story that I did watch. I watched through the Laura Dern stuff. And then I was like, that was why I was here. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> she's great. Now the rest of you, I don't care. Um, that his sort of the Adam driver's character is sort of very sad because his family, her family was his family. And in divorcing her, he's losing his family. And I think that there's an aspect of that here. And that Kiki and Eddie were close because they were friends and in-laws And there's a level of when you divorce someone, you divorce their family. And there's a level of sadness in that. Sure. Now, I don't know that the next logical step is then to date your brother-in-law. But I'm not here to judge. Uh, I mean, I am here to judge. Literally, this entire podcast is based on judging.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the moments where we see, like, their friendship and we get some acknowledgement that they've, like, been close, I appreciate I'm just not sure like how we jumped to
1: to sleeping together they don't have great uh julia roberts and john cusack have a good friendship chemistry they don't have great romantic chemistry no um honestly Catherine zeta jones and john cusack have good better chemistry in this and it's helped by sort of that they get to be sort of fighting you know they get that right. sort of like hot we're fighting we have sexual tension thing but i don't super buy the relationship the romantic relationship between John Cusack and Julia Roberts. Whereas I do when they're sort of like bantering and having fun friendship conversation. I do buy that.
0: Yeah. There's an aspect of which like in the moments where John Cusack and Julia Roberts are being romantic. I'm like, I'm watching John Cusack and Julia Rob- Roberts pretend to be romantic. Yeah. Like I, I'm very much like outside of it. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause it's also, It just feels like we've sort of, it feels like this movie is called America's Sweethearts. And it feels like at this time in rom-com history, Julia Roberts was America's sweetheart. Like we are in a post pretty woman, my best friend's wedding world. Mm -hmm. So she's too famous for this part, I think. Yes. Which is nothing to say about Julia Roberts acting of which I am a big fan And more to say of just like, I don't buy her in a way that I super buy Catherine Zeta-Jones as a demanding diva starlet. I don't buy Julia Roberts as her mousy assistant. No. You needed a Judy. Here's where where you had Judy Greer. You could have used her so. This is a part made for Judy Greer. Yeah. Couldn't let her be the lead.
0: Yeah. Or just somebody like a little lesser known, maybe a little younger. Like, I don't know the the Julia Roberts is like the, you know, Hollywood assistant, particularly because like we're on the heels of a Notting Hill where she played the mega superstar starlet. And then we like do this And granted, I know it's acting, but like, it just, it doesn't quite work.
1: But it's casting. I mean, Julia Roberts had famed herself out of playing this role. If this movie was made in 95, that's a different story. But Julia Roberts had, you know, like there are other roles she can and did play that she hadn't sort of famed herself out of, but this is a role I feel like is not right. was not right for her. Yeah. Which is hard for me to say because I love Julia Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. I love this whole cast, especially Crutchy.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the, the cast is the saving grace of this movie, truly.
1: I do think they're funny. Like, uh, I think it's, I think it's a well written farce with a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. And I, I think it's completely concept. understandable to not get past. But Billy Crystal is an, un, this is, we talked about, steve martin and i think in a less problematic i think roxanne is deeply less problematic than america's sweethearts but like billy crystal and steve martin are two of the greatest living comedians we've ever had for very good reason billy crystal can write a funny fucking joke and it's a lot of like very billy crystal-esque jokes and then there's a lot of problems that distract you from it
0: well and like the basic concept of this movie is a good one like Take two people who used to love each other and now hate each other, which are the two most extreme emotions and can often look alike. Yeah. And put them somewhere where they're essentially trapped together and let chaos ensue. Like, the the trappings are there for, like like you said, a fun farcical movie. It's just like when we add in all the all the details that this movie does that it falls
1: apart for me yeah the concept i think i was trying last night to figure out why i could still enjoy this movie in a way that i could not still enjoy 16 candles um because 16 candles has like three very major problems whereas this movie there's like little bitty problems weaved into every scene (laughs) yeah um And I think it's because the, this movie's plot does not hinge on the plot of 16 candles hinges on a rape in the way that like this movie's plot does not hinge on any of its problems. You can remake this movie and remove all the problems and make a movie that does hold up. Whereas you can't do that with 16 candles. You'd have to rewrite the plot of 16 candles to still make it work. And also, I think just, like, we decide what we can still withstand. Like, there's enough joy for me in this movie that I can still get over its many, many problems in a way that, like, you can't or other people can't. And that's completely valid. But I do think that, like, the core of this movie, there is nothing inherently in this plot that doesn't hold up. It's all the details put on top.
0: I mean... I just, it's not, I like, it's not like I hated my life the entire time that I watched it. Like you said, like, I enjoy watching all of these people. These are all actors that who's, you know, when I watch them on screen, I enjoy watching them. So in that way, like I was able to take some joy away from this movie, but I could not get past this stuff. And to the, where like I finished this movie and I was like, well, that's probably the last time I'll ever see this movie. You know, like it's been real America's sweethearts.
1: I'm glad you got I'm glad you got one more, one more time with it to sort of send it out to see. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I think with this movie also, it, it made me want to watch Notting Hill. It made me want to watch Chicago. There's a scene where she's, like, in 1940s or 1920s, yeah. like, get up. And I was like, and she's tap dancing. And I was like, why the fuck am I watching this movie? Turn on Chicago. <laughs> um, it made me want to watch, I mean, I always want to watch When Harry Met Sally. So that's not a new feeling. But I was, like, probably going to watch that this week. Like, it made me want these people Same with The Birdcage. I watch The Birdcage once a week to fall asleep. Um, It's either The Birdcage or Mamma Mia, which I realized recently are both movies about a young person, a person getting married too young, reckoning with their true parentage, helped by Christine Baranski. Are The Birdcage and Mamma Mia the same movie? Anyway, I digress. It made me want to watch these actors in their other roles in movies that I think hold up a little bit better. Yeah. Or a lot of it better, yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I think when I'm craving a, a Billy Crystal movie, I'm not reaching for this. Same with any of these people, right? But there were things that made me chuckle, and we got a great Carrie Underwood song at the end.
0: Yeah, again, in like a tonal shift that was real weird because this movie is like real campy and, like you said, farcical. And, and then Carrie it Underwood
1: is so earnest
0: right and then over the credits we get this like real earnest sort of like written for a rom-com song in kind of like a like a runaway bride-ish kind of
1: oh interesting tone. i i felt a um uh a wedding planner tone with the character sure. music see the wedding planner one was
0: like real like a real weird wedding- shift too because we suddenly got love don't um, cost a thing love don't cost a thing so in that way yes it was very the wedding planner yeah they the, should have the put some song. hearts on that yeah anyway, anyway. r.i.p. <laughs> <laughs> right it's been oh, it tough. Sweethearts. we
1: gotta find a john cusack movie we want to watch Because serendipity, he was too vanilla. This one, he was too dark. Like we gotta find the sweet spot. Oh, the third Cusack showed up in this, though. Did you spot the third Cusack?
0: I did. Yes, she works for Billy Crystal. Yeah, sure does. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I will not be watching America's Sweethearts again. Allison May,
1: but probably not for years. And then I'll have a similar reaction and I'll feel bad. You know. What are we watching next? Hang on and I'll tell you. Oh. Is it a rom-com? We'll decide. I think it is. Who cares? (laughs) In two weeks, we will be watching Bachelorette. Hmm. Yeah. Is it a rom-com? Interesting. Um, I don't know. Is it about the relationship between the four women? Or is it about the relationship between Adam Scott and... uh, um? Lizzie Kaplan? Great I, I argue both. I think um, we're going to get to see some talk about body image in a much more progressive way.
0: Finally. Um, I, I've i only seen this movie once, so my, I don't really have predictions. I remember
1: really liking it when I saw it. Uh, I've seen it's, it a couple times. I This is a Leslie Hepland film and uh, we have done Sleeping with Other People on this podcast and I have said and I maintain that Sleeping with Other People is in my, I put it on my top 10, sleeping with other people is one of my favorite rom coms, if not movies at all time. Uh I think this is a very tonally different movie, but I think it's mm. very interesting. Yeah, I think really highly of Leslie Haplin. Um so, ha- what am what am I saying? What's it you said Haplin, which I'm sure she's great too, but we're talking about Leslie Headland. Headland.
0: Um, I'm a big fan despite the fact I don't know her name. Um, and I remember really enjoying this movie the one time I watched it, so I'm looking forward to watching it. Me too. Where can people find us?
1: You can find us on find you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and at Twitter on hold underscore up underscore podcast. And please rate, review and subscribe. please tell your friends. It really is quite fun to read your reviews if they're nice. It ruins our days slash weeks if they're mean. So leave those out. Um, Because we know that we say like too much and talk over each other and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, just. (laughs) This is, we shouldn't do this at night. I've had one glass of wine. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.